Hi there, I'm Stuart Buchanan, and you're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra, a weekly exploration of eclectic and experimental Australian music, co-produced with FBI Radio in Sydney. Two different pieces are making up the show today. In the second half, we're going to be talking to Alex White, who's a Sydney-based artist and creative producer working across sound, video and interactive installation. The project we're going to be chatting to him about is called Nadir, which is a collaborative project with musician and sound artist Ben Byrne. Now, Nadir is ostensibly a noise project, but it extends well beyond that definition, combining generative processes and improvisation using modular synth and laptop. The new album is called Excessive Redundancy, and we're going to be talking to Alex about the album, the genesis of the Nadir project, and also the rise of the modular in modern experimental music practice. In the first half, though, a young musician and producer called Jacques Emery. Now, I first came across him when I discovered his label, Sounds Are Sounds. And there on his SoundCloud, I found a whole mix of artists with great names such as The Government and Trachea and Golden Window House. And it all sounded very mysterious and very impressive. When I approached him, I discovered that um, whilst it was still very mysterious and very impressive, all those names actually represented him exclusively. They were all different facets of Jacques' musical output. He's classically trained and studying jazz at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music. And in this feature, he's talking about his largely improvisational practice, how he favours art over craft. And whilst not directly employing the acoustic instrumentation of jazz, nonetheless is still riffing off the idea of a constant refinement of improvisational practice. This is Jacques Emery on Out From Under. Jacques Emery. Um, I'm a composer and performer and producer and um, I'm studying jazz double bass at the Sydney Conservatorium and I play jazz and classical music and I make electronic music as well. 
Both my parents are professional musicians. My mum's a violinist in the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, and so is my aunt, and my dad is a cellist in the Opera Ballet Orchestra. So music's been around since, well, like for my whole life, and so I got into playing the bass in sort of high school or thereabouts, and I was doing classical sort of tuition, and then I started playing jazz when I was about 15 or so, just from an interest in having listened to some of it, and um, from that point on I was always working on classical and jazz stuff at the same time, and playing with... I was playing with Sydney Youth Orchestra for a while and I'm I'm playing with the Australian Youth Orchestra at the moment and the jazz just kind of developed along with that, just playing with more people and then eventually auditioning and getting in here. So I guess I've always had an interest in a lot of different stuff and and composing, uh, I guess, quote-unquote contemporary classical music or just ensemble sort of music as well. So I guess for whatever reason I've just always had an interest in a lot of different things and just tried to cultivate all of it i'm heavy into i mean electronic stuff as well obviously like it's funny i probably heard like flying lotus and john hopkins and stuff like around the time i got into jazz as well when i was like 15 or so so that was also an interest that developed for ages and i mean i've you know i've made beats and things like that but just never really done anything with it because i'm not as interested in pursuing that side of things but that's definitely a big part of my interest as well um and that i guess informs the the electronic practice to some to some extent. I was making music in high school in like year 11. I started off just making these goofy kind of music concrete kind of collage pieces and then I eventually <laughs> eventually put the name the government to that that particular project and um, I was making quite a lot of stuff just all the time just with it was around the time I got my iPhone and I started just recording stuff on voice memos a lot when I was out and about so you know like jamming at school on the bass or the piano or something and then also recordings of sounds I found just in the environment just walking around. If I remember correctly, I was just making stuff on the weekend. I made like a bunch of tracks and I think I just put that name on it in my iTunes just as sort of a a goof really, but then the name stuck and I kind of liked the fact that it was just 
very faceless and um, general. I mean, you can sort of read into it in any way. It's not like it's not you know politically driven or anything, but it's kind of just it just sort of fit it fit the the vibe of the project, I guess. I really enjoy the embracing the fact that the iPhone is such a ubiquitous tool, uh, and the fact that it is so simple to make to make music now. I mean, like with a computer. I was using the, the program Audacity for that music as well, which is also not designed for making music. It's basically a very simple editing software. So it was kind of like absolute minimal tool sort of set up because so much electronic music I feel is very driven by gear and, you know, the software and launch pads and all this stuff. But I guess I was just interested in um, a holistic musical approach applied to a very, um, I guess, one of a better word, lo-fi kind of setup. I enjoy the fact that I partake in a lot of very different musical ventures that are... The electronic music I make is generally focused not on... I mean, I talk a lot about the division of, like, art and craft kind of thing and how a lot of the time we're very focused on craft and um, especially playing instruments acoustically, like, you know, on technique and uh, everything that that encompasses. But then with the electronic music I make just being much more kind of an instinctive, kind of simple approach with minimal tools and just getting what I can out of it. They are sort of at odds in a way, but I guess I'm, I just have a natural interest towards both and I've never really questioned. Um, with those projects in particular, like I very much value spontaneity over a long process of perfection, if that makes sense. A lot of those government albums are made very quickly. Like most of them were made within a few days, you know, 10 tracks or, or whatever. Um, and you know from a technical standpoint they're poorly they're not mastered or mixed or anything and they're on audacity and there's like clipping and there's all this stuff but I keep it all in there just because I I like the fact that it, it shows you know it's not um it's not fronting like it's a perfect product it's basically just a more spontaneous thing which is more in line with I guess my my jazz and improvised music practice it's still I guess it's still composition in the sense of laying down a definite uh, product and you can't really improvise on Audacity. I guess you can improvise on Ableton, which is how I then went on to make like that trachea 
release um, that's made on Ableton sort of through more of an improvised process. But I guess the, the key, the key of it is the spontaneity. Golden Window House is it's sort of an ambient offshoot from the government and then I, I ended up making that its own sort of project. Uh, the first album, um, AKA Death, was conceptually based on making longer pieces of music in a very short amount of time just by stretching out recordings, basically. So um, I would sort of go through my library of recorded sounds from my, from my iPhone. For instance, there's one, the last track on there, Plastic Cocoon, is basically just separate piano guitar and vocal recordings overlaid and really stretched out so that the original if you listen to the original recordings it would take about 30 seconds but it stretched out to about six minutes so it's quite a slow process and it was really just exploring time I guess in that way because the government is very it's almost very ADD like it's all very condensed into a short amount of time and the albums are only about 15 minutes each Um, but there's a lot sort of in them whereas this was the opposite this was fleshing not much out into even <laughs> even less that was also the time I was getting really heavily into drone music and stuff like Lamont Young and min- like minimalist stuff as well like Steve Reich and Philip Glass and I guess that was more of a desire to have that meditative stretched out sense of really just losing yourself in the sound as opposed to the more cerebral um, stimulation of say of the government's music and there's other there's another track I made called Sea Life Documentary which I made in uh, 2014. It's a two-minute piano recording stretched out to eight minutes, 16 minutes, and 32 minutes, and then overlaid. And that's the thing. It took such a short amount of time to create, but then you, it's, it's about a 32-minute piece. And even though like, it's very easy to understand why someone might criticise that, again, it's this thing of mine about moving away from fetishizing craft and the way you use a tool to more just the holistic approach and the result, if that makes sense.
the album You Keep Me, which I released under my own name, it's basically a compilation of love songs from a relationship. And I was just, uh, I, I was really getting into Grouper around that time. And um, I had been into like Animal Collective and Grizzly Bear and stuff for quite a while before that. But that was sort of a channeling of those of songs and singing with an instrument. Uh, and I ended up just making more and more and then compiling them. And the process is quite similar for all of them in that uh, they're all based on a single improvisation on the piano with my voice. So they're all pretty much made up on the spot. And then I orchestrated around them by recording instruments over the top. And so that is definitely the most, and I think you can hear it in it, in that it's the most sort of premeditated project. Um, but I still wasn't trying to labour over it too much. I was trying to just, you know, I would listen to it and very intuitively sort of think what do I want to add, what instruments, what kind of playing, and I would record things, and that was all done on, on Ableton. I had plans to, you know, do quite a lot and make it a full-length thing and mix them and master them, but then that relationship ended, like, around New Year's and last year, and I sort of decided at that point I'm just going to release it at the point it's at. So that's so that's why the songs don't really transition into each other. They're all mixed differently and quite poorly. Um, but again, it's the thing of embracing what they are rather than labouring over making them, try, forcing them to make, I don't know, trying to force something that's perfect when it's not, I mean, it's it's not a perfect product and the situation isn't perfect, but, you know, that's sort of just... So if, to me it felt more true to, more genuine to release them at that point and I'm really happy with them. And it, it was, you know, it ended nicely and then this album is like basically a little reminder of those times and, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that I was uh, that I sort of went on that venture and put myself a little bit more out there with the singing. It's not like, it's not very... I mean, because the lyrics are made up, you know, I'm mumbling a lot and it's not like, it's not a super putting yourself out there kind of vocal performance, but it's still one of the first times that I included that stuff beyond just kind of singing drones and things.
what I'm doing here at the, at the con is you're basically, yeah, just refining a spontaneous process. Uh, and that's, I guess, that epitomizes the electronic music that I've made, really. Um, and it's just sort of how I'm inclined to do it. I'm Stuart Buchanan, and you've been listening to Jacques Emery on Out From Under on Resonance Extra. If you like what you heard there, you can find and download all that material at soundsaresounds.bandcamp.com. Now, what we heard in that piece, I guess, was the idea of Jacques sort of pushing against the tyranny of the machine when it comes to uh, electronic music practice, uh, avoiding the tendency to kind of hunch over the computer screen and finding ways to capture new inputs and represent those in ways that are fresh and are challenging. And the second half of Out From Under today draws comparisons very much with what Jack is trying to do. We're going to be talking to a Sydney-based artist and creative producer called Alex White, who together with Ben Byrne performs and releases as Nadir, which is a, a generative noise project created using Euromodular synth laptop running Max MSP. Alex's sounds are created with the modular and then buffered and manipulated in real time with Ben's software patch. They describe it as music that seethes or elsewhere as music pushed to the brink of collapse and over the next half an hour or so you're going to hear that for yourself. This is Alex White talking about Nadir on Out From Under.
Uh, my name's Alex White. I uh, perform in a, in a duo called Nadir, which is kind of based in Sydney and, and Melbourne, with Ben Byrne, who's, who's Melbourne-based. Nadir is, is kind of an improvisational project that's looking at the idea of noise as a musical form um, and kind of playing with that a bit. In that group, I, I play a modular synthesizer and Ben plays uh, like a, a custom Max MSP patch on a laptop. And I guess outside of that, I'm, I'm also working on solo um, music, using mostly using a, a modular synthesizer, but more recently um, starting to incorporate kind of other hardware into that scenario. Nadir, it's a it's very much a live improvisational practice. So that's what we do is is improvise live. Um, the recordings are they're just documentation a lot of the time. Um, you know, like we think about what, which parts we want to show from that documentation. So there's there's definitely you know it's very conscious and it's it's very deliberate kind of representation of what we do in the recordings. But it is. Yeah, it is, is something that we're kind of happy to to kind of just put windows out out there regularly um, and try and stay focused on on our practice rather than um, I guess like a more studio based recording project. We partially did the vinyl release to to try and gather a bit of um, a bit more momentum and interest in in what we're doing. It's it's quite hard, I think, for anyone these days to get their music out there, you know, beyond kind of just a SoundCloud audience. I think living in Australia, it's it's even a little bit more difficult to get noticed by labels that we admire and um, you're not at the same gigs, you kind of, it does make it a bit harder. So we're hoping that that will kind of put us in a position where we can get our music out to a broader audience because it it's a very niche thing like not everyone likes it in australia we're dealing with a smaller population again so you know it's, it's not you know if we advertised on television there's only going to be a certain amount of people that really care about this kind of music something that ben and i have in common is that we we are coming deliberately from a music background We've both been through periods where we've we've seen ourselves as, as sound artists or you know, sonic artists or whatever and come back to really wanting to work within the context of, of music, albeit in music that is quite outside of the norm, I guess. And when we decided to start this Nadir project, we kind of initially decided that it was going to be a noise project because uh, we both had improvisation kind of practices um, we both enjoy listening to kind of music that's at the noisier end of the spectrum and we were living in two different states so we knew there wasn't going to be a lot of time to rehearse I think we also both felt like we really wanted to make a lot of it in the past we've been very sensitive about what we've been willing to put out there and with this project we wanted to kind of put out a lot of stuff at a high volume 
we started thinking about this idea of noise and I think the early recordings, and we've got a couple of EPs up on Bandcamp, you can kind of hear that I think it, it sounds more like a noise record, I guess. But we slowly, deliberately moved away from what we call like a boy's noise kind of power noise like trying to get right away from all of those things trying to get away from any idea of of noise equaling dark we didn't want to make music that was deliberately dark and i think we both see noise as this incredibly light thing this bright multicolored thing and probably pretty influenced by people like florian hecker and his like sun pandemonium release where it's similarly it's it just feels like an overwhelming brightness like staring at the sun rather than kind of being in a dark brooding noise cave but then we we kind of started thinking about other aspects of noise so this definition of noise being um all frequencies at once or being all the things that are considered kind of unacceptable or things that you don't want to hear or the idea of a noise threshold where there's always noise present and you kind of you become accustomed to operating just above that noise threshold and that's what we kind of consider silence I guess so there's all these kind of interesting ideas and kind of physicalities of of noise that we wanted to to play with so one of the things that came out of that is that noise music essentially kind of really fails at what it sets out to do because for a lot of the time I think people are trying to make something that is unconsumable I guess or horrible or abject or whatever but there is so much noise music out there and there's so many people that listen to noise it's clearly not abject and it clearly isn't kind of shocking either because a lot of noise music sounds the same and so you put it on and you kind of just go oh yeah it's another noise record <laughs> it's not shocking it's not it's not anything it's just kind of boring and so we were trying to think like how do you how do you break out beyond that so what we tried to play with is working in in that kind of threshold between something being unknown and and new and kind of something that is is kind of outside of of what you expect and then having elements there that are musical and or rhythmic we hope the listener is getting pulled between those two worlds of of kind of recognizable music and um, abject noise it's too noisy for academic computer music or kind of experimental soundscape field recording type music but it's also not aggressive enough for the noise scene
I started using a modulus synth at the beginning of 2011. It was something I'd always wanted to do, but um, every time I'd kind of looked at it over, you know, over the years, it had seemed really expensive and kind of out of reach. And one day I was talking to a, a friend of mine because um, he said he'd just bought a new synth, and I said, oh, what did you get? And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a modular. And I was like, really? Kind of quite surprised that he'd go there. Um, and then I went online and realised that in the last five years, all of these small manufacturers have started making uh, modules and there was this big community. And in 2011, it was quite a lot smaller than it is now. There's probably three times as many manufacturers now as there were then, but there was still a lot then. And there was clearly this kind of building interest um, in it. And so uh, another friend of mine, Pierre Van, Van Gilder, also got into it about the same time and we started organizing a yearly kind of modular mini festival i guess or conference um so we ran one in 2012 uh had robin fox come up and play with with one of his old uh synthes controlled by max msp and and then the, the next year after that uh we we had russell haswell come and perform on a modular as well which was interesting keith fullerton whitman is, has been a huge influence. When I saw him play in 2012 with the modular, it really made me rethink what a modular was good at doing. And I think that you know there's this huge kind of resurgence in in modular synthesizers and, and synthesizers at all. Kind of like there's this huge interest in it. There's big kind of manufacturers starting to build them again. And I think for a lot of people, the it seems like the thing about modular that draws them in is the idea of what you can do with tone color because there's no limits to kind of how you interconnect things or run things into themselves or, or whatever else but i think a lot of people are still sequencing with a, a traditional kind of step sequencer or off a computer or something after seeing keith play what i realized was that and i kind of been playing with these modules a little bit like clock clock dividers logic gates, um, kind of using LFOs as, as a rhythmic source. Um, the ri- I think, to me, the really exciting thing about Modulo is, is it's what it can do structurally with, with music. You can create these scenarios where you know, there might be a great degree of randomness kind of injected into it, and that's affecting 
the actual structure of the music beats that may be working to a BPM but never ever repeat and never ever sound wrong either I think that's like the holy grail for me is finding something that is never repeats never does what you expect but never sounds out of key or off step which I probably don't have the skills to ever really fully fully realize that idea but yeah Because of my role in the deal where I produce all of the kind of the initial sound material and Ben then processes it live, um, it kind of means that everything I do becomes Nadir, I guess. So now that the now the record's kind of done, I'm hoping to kind of step away from some of the things I've been doing as, as part of Nadir because they feel very much like a Nadir thing now. And what I'm what I'm hoping to do is is something that is a little bit more structured, but still quite improvisational so I'm working with uh, a, a sampler called an octatrack um, and a modular and what I've been kind of trying to do is to um, generate patches very quickly and then sample kind of sounds and then be kind of manipulating them into something that has a rhythmic structure on the spot so it might sound like you know it might sound like a, a form of techno or something else but the sounds are quite abstract and um, the technique for making it is, is kind of the opposite of techno instead of kind of honing everything in the studio and getting it perfect it's just very raw and it's just it's happening kind of on the spot one thing I've been really excited to kind of play with is a little module uh, by a company called Monome who first built the the grid but they've created a, a Eurorack modular system kind of module which has a little screen on it and a little usb keyboard input and you actually type in lines of code into it and trigger chunks of code um, with trigger inputs and then that, that code then controls control voltage outputs and trigger outputs so you can create this really complex kind of um, generative composition systems that are a really beautiful mixture of kind of quite old school ways of working with computers um, like going right back to the 70s where computers couldn't do a lot but they could kind of do that kind of thing currently working on a system where that actually rewrites the entire sound of the synthesizer in in about 60 milliseconds so you kind of fire at a command and then it generates a new voice for the synthesizer so the idea is that I just keep hitting generate until I find something I like and then grab it and then sequence it and then generate another noise and that's the that's the idea Oh, my God. 
So thinking about kind of what's brought people to to modular over the last few years, um, I think it's a few things. I think I think one is that computers are so prevalent in everything we do. A lot of people like myself will do anything to be able to make music and not look at a computer. Um, I used to be the opposite. I used to be a very proud laptop musician and loved the fact that people might think I'm doing emails while I'm playing. Um, but now I just I don't want to look at those screens and I think that's the same for a lot of people. I think not having any kind of limitations. I know like every time someone would release a new synth, I used to kind of look at the specs and just think, you know, are they going to let me cross-modulate the oscillators? Uh, is it going to let me run noise into the filter modulation? Like just kind of trying to work out like what limitations have they put upon this this piece of gear? And with modular you don't have to think about that the only limitation is really what you can think of um and then i think there's some very basic kind of instincts driving people the idea of they can kind of 
build their own and kind of they're making their own decisions about the instrument. So there's, you're kind of in effect becoming an instrument designer, but there's also collecting and yeah, obsessively collecting, uh, which thankfully I kind of feel like I'm, I've moved away from. Um, but for some people, like I'm in a few Facebook groups where you kind of people buy and sell modular synthesizers. It's it's frightening. Some people you'll see them spend twenty grand, and then a couple of months later you'll see them sell it again, and you kind of think, "How's this thing like you thought was so amazing? Like suddenly you just have to get rid of it to get something else." It's their gear owning and their gear buying is like this kind of wild cyclone, kind of just must be tearing through their studio continuously. <laughs> When we perform as, as Nadir, we kind of we sit facing each other and um, perpendicular to the audience so that the audience can see what Ben's doing and what I'm doing. And I think that's definitely another thing about modular synthesizers that's great is that the audience do have this kind of in. They can, they can see what you're doing. They can kind of they can see your patch, essentially, although, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to tell what's going on. Um, yeah, at the end of any gig with a modular, like, a couple of people always go up and ask the person performing, you know, have a look at what they're using and how they've got it plugged in. So that's, it does make it much more accessible than using a laptop um, or even using other hardware synthesizers where it's not apparent kind of what's been dialed into the, into the synth. Nadir release, Excessive Redundancy, uh, that's all taken from kind of recording sessions we've done and each each track is maybe one or two kind of cuts in the middle of tracks but generally speaking the, the tracks are whole kind of sections of improvisation that, that we did together. Pretty minimal editing I'd say but taken from a lot of sessions. Kind of about the time we finished the album we kind of reached this point where we we have a structure that we work to now, I guess, where there's an endpoint we're trying to get to, where there is a certain kind of intensity of of sound and polyrhythmic kind of noise, I guess. And the title track, Excessive Redundancy, does that, gets there, and it takes about you know, 15 minutes to get there. And in our, in our live performances now, that's that's the structure we work to, where it kind of sounds a bit dorky at the start and... Yeah, we kind of hope that for the first five or so minutes, people are just you know wondering why they're bothered coming to the gig, and then slowly the structure starts to form, and it it becomes this this thing, and then by the end of the set, we're able to just go and stand up the back of the room and and listen to it, and it should be kind of a self perpetuating system by then. <laughs> Buchanan and you're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra. That was Alex White there talking about his project Nadir and the track we played out with is the title track from their brand new album. It's called Excessive Redundancy and you can find that at nadir, N-A-D-I-R hyphen recordings dot bandcamp dot com 
And uh, as Alex mentioned there, that album is available now to purchase on the wonder of vinyl. Thanks to Alex White and Jacques Emery for being featured on today's show. To Peter Lansley at Resonance Extra and Beth Dalgleish at FBI Radio in Sydney. You can find more info and links at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as Out From Under Radio. And we're also on email at outfromunderradio at gmail.com. I'm Stuart Buchanan. Thanks for joining me on Out From Under.